This week I have a heavy heart. I think it's because I am reminded of a homily from the second Sunday of Easter from two years ago when I shared how much I had prayed for an end to the pandemic to come on Easter Sunday. How great would that have been? Then everyone would know that Jesus Christ is the Lord of everything. Of course, the pandemic didn't end on Easter Sunday and here we are two years later and despite how much we'd like to think that things are back to normal, the pandemic has not ended. And I say this as I come out of having COVID myself. But there's a new crisis, and it's called Ukraine. Last week, Ukrainian Orthodox Christians celebrated Easter. How many of them prayed that the war would end on Easter Sunday? How great would that have been? Then everyone would have known that Jesus Christ is the peace of the world, the one who makes all things new. But here we are, a week later, and the war doesn't look like it's ending anytime soon. Then I am reminded that the new life that began that Easter morning 2,000 years ago was also slow in coming. It took 50 days before the Holy Spirit came, and then there was still division, doubt, discord, and persecution. That has been the church since day one. And in the midst of all that, Christ continues to make all things new. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is the Salt and Light Hour. Hello and welcome to an all-new Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro and sitting here with me is Jermaine. Jermaine, it's good to see you. Likewise, it has been much, much too long. I know, it has been. It feels that way. Anyway, um, how's the Easter season going for you so far? Uh, It's been good. Just taking the time to, to celebrate whenever possible, get into Mass and end most importantly. Well, not most importantly, yes. but highly for me reading books. Of course, of course. And you're going to tell us about that in a bit. I, I, I always think of uh, every time I go to the Easter vigil, and I don't know if you had a chance to go to the Easter vigil this year, or if you, but every time I go, I think of people like you that I know that have become recent, that have been received mm. into the church recently or confirmed as adults. And I, and I wonder what that experience is like. So I was going to ask you if you went to the oh. Easter vigil or have you been to vigil since your when you were received in the church, what was it, three, four years ago? And what no, that it, it, it is it is actually fresher. I, I do go to Easter, Easter masks. It actually feels very important and it serves as a reminder. And this is only my second full oh, Easter celebration. Yeah. Wow. The last two years yes. have really been a blur. It, exactly. So it 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 is very interesting in the sense it feels like almost like a birthday for me. It should be. Yeah. So, so it's like a, an interesting sort of celebration and I, I take great joy in it. And you know, when you, you mark down things on a piece of paper, you scratch in one, two, three, four, then across for the five. Yeah, yes, so visually yes. in my head, I have the visual of like, you know, this is my second Easter and my, like yeah. being, uh, being in communion with the, with the church. So it's, yeah, it's a, uh, it's a unique, sort of time a, a double celebration as it was uh, yeah that, for me. that makes sense well happy birthday i guess <laughs> happy belated birthday um today jermaine today jillian is going to be uh, back with us she's going to tell us something she learned from her kids about identifying your feelings so that sounds like it's going to be oh. a good lesson today um no doubt 
I'm and excited about, for that. Yeah, that'll be in about five minutes. And then books book ends with Jermaine Bagnell. What, what have you been reading? I've been reading a lot, but I've brought two books in to talk about. Yes, one is for the children. Good. And one is for, for the adults. And I think is very timely, uh, particularly as the church, uh, the Canadian Catholic Church is dealing with uh, reconciliation and, and really okay. trying to uh, turn, uh, turn a new leaf and, and step forward in a beautiful way. Oh, okay. I look forward to, I look forward to hearing about that book. So that's going to be in about 15 minutes uh, after what I learned from my kids. And then um, Jermaine, so, you know, we, we hear about all these kind of like pro-life arguments and conversations that are happening about the life issues um, have you ever heard of the life principles? I have not heard of the life principles. Okay. So when I first got really into sort of this sort of pro-life work and stuff, maybe 20 years ago, 18 years ago, uh, one of the best arguments that I found to help, especially young people understand why pro-life makes sense are these principles called the life principles. They were created by a priest, a Jesuit priest, Father uh, Robert Spitzer, um, and they were taught through an organization called Healing the Culture. And okay. I thought it was just so, it was like, it was philosophy, really. I mean, which, which I, I really enjoy. So it turns mm -hmm. out that Healing the Culture, they're dedicated to this uh, sort of pro-life curricula, teaching people yeah. about these life principles and why pro being pro-life makes sense. And they've just created a new program for elementary school children. So it's like, like kindergarten mm -hmm. to grade three yeah, it is. It's like philosophy for, for kids. So the, mm -hmm. it's, it's the life principles to teach them about happiness, logic, virtue, respect for human life um, uh, for little kids. So the, oh, wow. the new series is called Philo and Sophie. So I, I'm sure you get the pun there, Philo and Sophie. And Philo yep, and Sophie yep, are yep. two puppets, two characters um, that sort of uh, are host this show for kids. So we're going to be speaking with the president and CEO of Healing the Culture, Camille Pauly, uh, at the, uh, in our second half hour. And she's going to tell us all about this new series for kids uh, to teach them about the life principles, uh, Philo and Sophie. So that's in about 20 minutes or so, 25 minutes or so. Um, and then at the that's end of the interesting show, interesting and exciting. it is super interesting, actually. I, I hope that, that people can stick around and listen to it. Um, and then at the end of the show, we're going to be meeting another new singer-songwriter that I'm always amazed at how there are so many, the new generation of Catholic singer-songwriters. It's just mm -hmm. amazing. Um, Jackie Minton broke into the scene about six years ago. Uh, yeah. She just crowdfunded her second EP that we're going to be listening to throughout the show. Um, uh, and I'm really, I really like, she's really a songwriter. Uh, her lyrics are phenomenal. Uh, her music as well, but I really see her as a writer, uh, Jackie Minton. So we're going to be speaking with Jackie at the end of the show and listening to some of her songs throughout the program. So again, I hope that people can stick around for all the segments. Um, if you can't, make sure that you go to our website, eslmedia.org, and that's where you can podcast the show. Of course, you can do what Jermaine does and podcast the show wherever you get your podcasts, because it's really easy to, to do that. Um, subscribe so, and make sure you you uh leave very positive comments about the sl hour on on your podcast absolutely absolutely because then more people can hear about the salt and light hour and uh and subscribe so jermaine let's start with a song 
here is Jackie Minton with Made of Memories from her latest album, Earnest Voice. The road looks different in the rain But it'll take you to the same places Try to ride it back to is a closed
that was Jackie Minton with Made of Memories from her latest album, Earnest Voice. And we're going to be speaking with Jackie Minton in about 40 minutes. So I hope that you can stick around for that. And now it's time for What I Learned from My Kids with Jillian Cantor. Jillian, welcome back. Thank you so much. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you. So uh, we survived Lent. We survived Easter. Do we have a good lesson today? <laughs> I hope so. I hope somebody can find this useful. <clears throat> um, this lesson comes courtesy of Miss Jane Cantor. Um, and we're going to title it, Be Mad for a Reason. So let's dive in, shall we? Yes. Every once in a while, <laughs> every once in a while, little Miss Jane will stomp through the house and announce loudly, I'm mad for no reason. So as you can imagine, that's a lot of fun to deal with as a parent. We get to hear that. Good. So let's explore. At least I mean, she course, knows. At least she's aware that it's there's no exactly. reason. Yes, that's a step. Or is she? <laughs> of course, there's a reason, uh, but she's not always able to connect those dots between X and Y to figure out why she's feeling like Z. Um, and her commitment to moaning about being mad for no reason doesn't always allow for some thoughtful conversation about why she is actually mad to help her solve her problems. But anyway, so she stays in her mad for a while until she either A, forgets all about it, or B, she gets bored and just moves on. But what I've come to understand is that Janie clumps all of her feelings together and anything outside of happy is perceived by her to be mad. So if she is sad or bored or hungry or frustrated, all of that is mad to her. It's the opposite of happy. I'm mad. Um, and this is funny. I mean, not haha. It's interesting. It's funny, interesting, not funny ha -ha, to me, because while she has trouble figuring out her own feelings, I find that she's very sensitive to the feelings of others, particularly her younger brother, Leo, but also of my own feelings. Um, for example, with regards to Leo, from when he was a baby and Janie accompany, accompanied us to all of his doctor appointments, um, she was the one hovering over him to protect him as best she could from any shots and pokes and prods, wincing with him when anything didn't feel right. So she just has that protective nature and feels his feelings. And I myself have been on the receiving end of many of her well-timed hugs to know that it's not just a coincidence. She's paying attention and she knows when I'm sad or hurt or frustrated. And she figures the best way to solve that problem is to put her little arms around me. And an example, um, this past Christmas morning, after the hustle and bustle of present opening was all done, and I was just kind of sitting in that melancholy of missing my family in Saskatchewan, and but also missing days gone by when I was the little kid. And it was just, you know, Christmas held that magic and excitement. And now it's all about responsibility and who's making Christmas dinner. Anyway, so anyway, just sitting in the melancholy of of that, of, of missing those days gone by. Um, and I could feel all of a sudden these little arms tighten around me before my tears could fall. And I didn't have to turn around to know that it was Jane putting aside her new toys and the fun of Christmas morning to just sit with her mom for a bit. <clears throat> again, this what's funny, but again, not, not ha ha funny, but interesting funny is that I completely understand Janie being mad for no reason, because don't I also huff around the house sometimes saying I'm mad about something, but really feeling my feelings are coming from somewhere else. And it's not even that I'm mad, I'm sad or I'm frustrated or I'm tired, just like Janie, just like Janie experiences those things. Now, I'm old enough to put a stop to it and I do, or I try to, I'm old enough to consider, you know, wait a second, what is it that I'm really feeling here? But sometimes, 
I do need Janie's help. I need her little arms around me to give me pause, to stop me in my huff and to really consider what my feelings are. And what's important here for both Janie and for me is that we're having the feelings. It's important to have them. Um, and as I was kind of considering this whole scenario, her being mad for no reason and her stumpiness and me being able to relate to that, the thing I kept thinking about was, and I had to look it up, but it's Revelation 3.16, when we um, are given that warning by Jesus who says, I wish you were either hot or cold, but because you are lukewarm, I will spit you out of my mouth. Don't be lukewarm. The message is don't be lukewarm, have the feelings. So no worries here. Jane, with all her mad feelings, is not lukewarm. She's definitely on, she's on the hot side. <laughs> and when I take my turn having my little huff or being mad or frustrated about something, I'm not lukewarm. I've got some feelings. But I mean, obviously, it's also important to correctly identify what those feelings are and what you can do about them. What good can come with your feelings? What good can you do with your feelings, even if they are the mad ones? Mm -hmm. um, it just takes time to pause to consider um, but yeah, but have the feelings. So it's okay. Be mad for a reason, but figure it out and then stop moaning. So there you go. <laughs> Great lesson. Great lesson. Always good lessons from Janie. Um, and <laughs> yeah, that nobody says that you shouldn't be angry because something should make right. us angry, but, but you're right. Being yeah. able to identify it and, and, and redirect it in the right. Uh, yeah. yeah um, and I think that God. I think is... I've, I've talked about this before here. One, one, it's one of the things that I say to the kids a lot. You can be mad, but you can't be mean. So it's okay to have the feelings, but then it's important to what do you do with those feelings? Yes. So don't be mean. Anybody. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes we we stomp around the house saying I'm mad just because you want someone to come and give you a hug. Yeah. 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 You need the exactly. attention. Yes. Exactly. Um, I should try that. Maybe I'll get more hugs. <laughs> I'm mad for no reason. <laughs> I'm not mad. Anyway, thank you, Jillian. Thank you, Janie, for that uh, wonderful lesson and uh, for sharing it with us. Well, thank you for not judging my my huffiness and my um, inadequate parenting. Sometimes. <laughs> Thanks okay. for listening. You can go. You can go moan and stomp around the house now. Okay. Thank you, Jillian Cantor. Always learning something from her kids. She's the wife of David and the mother of Joseph, Henry, Annie, Clara, Jane, and Leo. Hi, this is Sarah Hart, and you are listening to the Salt and Light Hour with my good friend, Deacon Pedro. I'm Deacon Pedro. If you missed any part of this program or to listen to any interview again, go to our website, esselmedia.org slash podcast. All our shows are archived there. And now it's time for... Book ends with Jermaine Bagnall, who's been sitting here patiently waiting to tell us about the two books. One book that I'm very interested in hearing about, Reconciliation, but then you, I don't know, do you want to start with the kids book? Well, so we'll start with the kids book. It, this one, uh, this one is, is something everybody will be pretty familiar with. Uh, the first one is an illustrated telling of a biblical story everybody's familiar with. David and Goliath, which is also the name of the book. It's by Tommy Di Paola and published by Magnificent Ignatius. Uh, so the story is pulled straight from the first book of Samuel, chapter 17, uh, but it's presented and laid out in language that is more accessible to children. And the layout of the book really adds to that on 
on each page, the uh, art really is the focal point. So that helps parents like engage their, engage their children. Uh, the, the art itself, it, it's, it's beautiful. It has a bit of a, a vintage throwback feel, uh, but that speaks more to the fact that the first edition of this book was in 1984 uh, versus the one that I read, which is the uh, second publishing, which is 2021. So you can actually see, yeah, I get a feel of that, that, older, that older art. There's a bit of nostalgia for some of us with a few silvers in our hair. Um, okay. And the good thing, yeah, and the good thing about the tale uh, and the book is that it's, it presents parents with an opportunity to share a variety of lessons with their children. You know, um, the kids get to see David battle Goliath and win. So parents can speak to children about, you know, what it means to have faith, the power of courage and commitment, answering that call that's placed in your hearts, you know, really vital things for, for children to learn. And this book does a really beautiful illustrative way of doing that. Uh, but one thing parents may want to remind their children of with this book, and that is, don't sling stones at, at your friends. So <laughs> take all those other lessons, but don't uh, sling stones at, at your buddies. That's, uh, so, that's it, you know, lesson. it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a good little, good little book for, for kids. Okay. So uh, that's David this, and Goliath, David and Goliath published by Ignatius Magnificat, you said. Um, correct. And it's by Tommy De Paola, David and mm -hmm. Goliath. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I can see, I'm seeing a, a version of it here. I, I see what you mean about the illustrations. They're kind of, kind of, kind of cool, actually. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and the second book is a bit of a pivot, uh, but it also comes with a slew of lessons people can walk away with and apply to their lives. Uh -huh. uh, it's a new book published by Orbis Books, and it's called The Crucible of Racism, Ignatian Spirituality, and the Power of Hope uh, by Jesuit priest Patrick St. John. Uh -huh. so, mm -hmm. so Father St. John, he's a uh, Haitian-born Jesuit priest that moved to America to pursue graduate studies and become a Jesuit priest. And this is straight from the back of the book. Um, in his journey, he encountered something he did not in his homeland, which is racism. In America, he learned that he's a black man and that in America, including the society of Je Jesus here in this country, is a white space where people of color are not welcome. This direct experience of racism became a crucible for me. So People need to understand going into this book that you need to come in with an open heart, open mind, and a willingness to both learn and, and, and to act. Um, because I, I find when you start talking about racism and start addressing it, uh, sometimes people can feel that they are under attack or what does this have to do with me or, or any of these sort of notions. But as, as Catholics, we were called to, to serve, and, and Catholic is about being universal. So when we're universal, we, there's a lot of difference, and we need to be able to overcome that so we can glorify God best. So within the book, he, there's, there's a section I want to read here um, that uh, mm -hmm. Father St. John has. So the Bible speaks of the body of Christ, and through this body, we experience Christ's death and resurrection. Racism has wounded that body. It has crucified it. The pain is so deep and so ancient that we struggle to find words for it. Meanwhile, many white people would rather pretend the pain no longer exists. They would like to claim that racism was a historical reality, but not something that is real and present in the lives of 21st century people of color. Such thinking is only possible when whites close their eyes to, eyes to a vital part of Christ's body, ignoring the black community, 
which is impacted by racism on a daily basis. But we can't talk about resurrection until we face reality of racism, until we repent of this evil, we are hiding a mortal wound. That is why we need the first three stages of the exercises before we can reach the fourth. And even then, join hope doesn't come to us easily or automatically. Um, so, so in that, he, want, he he's focusing on anti-Black racism because even though it's a bit of an engagement with the uh, spiritual exercises, it mm-hmm. is told from his point of view. So he is speaking directly to uh, anti-Black racism that he has experienced uh out in the world, but also within in his order. And this isn't a uh, this isn't where he's trying to place blame. He is trying to state fact and state experience. And and a big piece of the book is all about trying to show people on how to I- engage with racism uh, in all its forms in order for us to re it for, in, in order for us to experience reconciliation. And, and we see right. that, you know, in the, in the church today, the Canadian Catholic church is we're going through a process of reconciliation with our indigenous brothers and sisters. Yeah. And it's not easy. Like he, he states that throughout the book that this process is, is not easy, but he gives tools and gives examples of, of success stories of reconciliation. And he speaks to right. uh, the Jesuits in particular, um, you know, and, Think of Georgetown University in the United States of America. At one point, they held enslaved people. And as part of their reconciliation, they pledged to raise $100 million for descendants of the 272 enslaved men, women, and children sold by the Jesuit owners of Mm -hmm. Georgetown University in 1838. And uh, Father Tim uh, Kasiki, who he quotes in the book, uh, states that our shameful history of Jesuit slaveholding in the United States has been taken off the dusty shelf and can never be put back. Mm-hmm. The lasting effects of slavery call each of us to do the work of truth and reconciliation. They're speaking specifically to slavery, but that has direct application. Of course. In Canada, you know, with, of with course, the, of the course, discovery like, in the schools. Yeah, of course. This is fascinating. I'm very interested in reading it because I think that you're right. There's probably a lot of parallels. Um, and the work of reconciliation is a work of conversion. So, of course, it's difficult work um but i love the fact that he's using ignatian spirituality to help people go through that conversion which i think i don't think i would have ever thought about and the fact that he calls yeah. it i mean it's the power of hope he's he's right in the title he's saying this is about hope it's not about looking exactly. back at all the bad things that we did but how do we move exactly. forward um exactly and and, and the, yeah and the looking back is is simply you need to see the thing identify the well, thing you do. before Truth. you can fix yeah. the thing Exactly. Exactly. Can't have reconciliation without truth. Yeah. And you don't need to be an expert in the, in in Ignatian spirituality. In fact, you don't even need to know anything about it because Father St. John does a great job of guiding you through it. And I knew nothing really about it. And he really, he he gives the breadcrumbs. So it becomes digestible. Maybe, maybe it's a good introduction to Ignatian spirituality for some people. Um, if they're interested in, in, uh, in learning more. Okay. That sounds great. So the crucible of racism, Ignatian spirituality and the power of hope, uh, by Patrick St. Jean, uh, published by Orzis books. And then of course, David and Goliath, uh, published by Magnificat Ignatius. Jermaine, thank you. So good. Very interested in these two books. Um, uh, happy reading. Thank you. And I hope everybody picks these up and enjoys them.
Jermaine Bagnall. He's our book contributor. He's also the producer of the Salt and Light production, Working in Faith. You can watch that program at slmedia.org and you can follow him at Jermaine Bagnall. Coming up in our second half hour, a new Life Principles series for kids from Healing the Culture, and we meet singer-songwriter Jackie Minton, so stay tuned. Welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. When I first heard of the life principles, I thought that they were brilliant. They were the best way to explain any life issues to anyone. They're grounded in philosophy and logic, which is what makes sense to me. And the organization that taught me the life principles is Healing the Culture. And the person who taught them to me is the president and CEO of Healing the Culture, Camille Pauly. Healing the Culture is dedicated to offering pro-life education for any age and true to that mission, they are now launching a program for elementary school children called Philo and Sophie. And to tell us all about it, I am now joined by Camille Pauly. Camille, it's so good to see you. Welcome. welcome. Hi, Dick and Pedro. Good to see you, friend. Yes. So, so who are Philo and Sophie? <laughs> Philo is a, um, a puppet, actually. He's a penguin. He yep. has a British accent. Yeah. And Sophie is a mermaid puppet. Uh, kind of goofy and spontaneous and they are friends and uh, together they teach young children about the principles that healing the culture has um, been known and loved for sharing around the world to increase pro-life awareness and pro-life values. Okay. So there might be some people that are not familiar with the life principles. Can you, can you quickly tell us, so are Philo and Sophie sure. teaching the kids exactly the same kind of principles or same content? Same content. Yeah, same, same principles. Right. So, so back in 2003, Father Robert Spitzer and I started healing the culture to teach his philosophy on YB pro life. Mm -hmm. It includes tons of deep content on what real happiness is, what it means to be successful, what true freedom is, what quality of life is, what a human right is. And it changes people in their hearts in how they're living and how they're thinking about those terms so that they're living for higher ideals. That's the only way you're going to change this culture is by changing people's philosophy on what they're living for and looking for. And so we digested this down to kindergarten, first and second grade. It's a college curriculum, yeah. but we got the concepts down to little kids and we used Sesame Street style little vignettes with animation and puppets and actors and songs and believe it or not little little kids can understand these concepts and integrate them and fall in love with um, the beautiful values of the pro-life movement without even talking about abortion we don't uh, we don't even get into those issues with them right right but you're teaching philosophy to little kids right That's what yes it's yes it's like a philosophy 101 for little children and it's everything they really need to know at that young age so Father Spitzer talks about the four levels of happiness. Some of yep. your listeners are familiar with that. Physical pleasure, ego gratification, contribution to others, and faith in God. And a little five-year-old can understand those concepts and why level three and four are more important and better for you um, and, and better to live for as an end in itself and using the, the lower levels as means to the greater end. They get those points and they understand mm -hmm. them. And they're so open, Pedro, because uh, Deacon Pedro, because they, they're already there. Their hearts are there. They haven't been jaded yet. Mm -hmm. They have kind of that natural gift that God gives everyone of desiring the good and seeing the good in others before they've become jaded by ego 
and wealth and popularity and esteem and, you know, all the temptations and distractions of the world. And so it's been a phenomenal way to introduce these concepts very young when kids really need it now in a culture that is um, guiding them seriously astray. Yeah, I, I find I think it's fascinating, especially because you start, like you said, the bases is like those four levels of happiness for someone that might be listening, thinking you're not talking about abortion. So how is this related to life? How can you make a quick connection between those four levels of happiness and how that can relate to the life principles of why we should value sure. life at all stages? So we have this one episode where a philo or actually Frank the monster, we have a red furry monster named Frank and he and Sophie meet their, their school teacher, their English teacher, Miss Laura, and she's not going to be a teacher anymore because she's going to take care of her newborn baby. And they're shocked and appalled because she can't be successful if she's not going to continue her career. And she's such a successful teacher. And so she's able to show them that real happiness comes from gift of self to the other. And the greatest happiness that she can find is by giving her life to another human being who needs her. Yeah. And that although she still loves them, her career is not as important important as her job to bring a new human being into the world who can love and contribute and, and become a gift of God to the world. And so that's kind of one way that we do that in an innocent way in ways little kids understand. A lot of them have had teachers move on or, you know, uh, you know, change teachers. And so they, they can be familiar with those concepts. And yet we can introduce pro-choice arguments without them even knowing what abortion and pro-choice is right. so that later on they say, wait a minute, that's you know, that's not true when you say a woman can't be successful if she, you know, has to put her career on hold or has to change the way she do, does things for another human being. Right. Now, you said it's a universally age curriculum. I know that, I mean, that's when I first heard about the life principles. It was very much for adults, young adults. Um, yes. You also have a high school curriculum. Is that correct? So Wait, does it work? Do. Does it work so that it kind of graduates? So once kids go through the elementary curriculum, then it builds up on it until it, it can. It, it can, but but the kindergarten through third grade is an element in itself, and kids will love it. If nobody, if the student hasn't studied that and they enter, you know, high school, they can start the curriculum right at the high school level. It's called Principles and Choices. Okay, uh, they can find that at our website, healingtheculture.com. Uh, and the college curriculum is the same. It starts at the beginning with the four levels of happiness and moves through just on a higher level. Uh, you know, integrates more philosophical concepts. Okay, so you guys are dedicated, obviously, to these curricula. For, for, for to teach That's what we life do. principles. Um, yeah. Anything else? Anything else that Healing the Culture is doing that you want to tell us about? Yeah, we have um, a program called Respect Life University. It's on our website, uh, healingtheculture.com as well. It's for adults, uh, grownups, college students, and it's little five-minute videos that deal with all the hard issues. You know, what about rape and incest, life of the mother, uh, fetal disabilities? Um, and so we have these short educational clips and videos that are highly animated and um, you know very energetic and uses some graphic animation to explain concepts in very short terms and you can send them on to your friends if you're having debates on certain issues on social media. So those are our four uh, our four programs is Respect Life University and then there's uh, the college program we have and then the high school curriculum and then Philo and Sophie our latest. Yeah, of course. Which is uh yeah, all online. Yeah, it is. Um is it your hope or is it, are they designed so that they, they're to be used in classroom? Can they be used at home? Uh, how, how, what is it? Let's say with Philo and Sophie, how does, how yeah. does it work? I know there yeah, are. Everything, 
That's right. Everything we have can be used at home, in a classroom, or in a parish setting. It's all adaptable. So for example, Philo and Sophie, you log on. It's all free. You don't have to pay for the videos. Everything is free right now, including the teacher materials, parent pieces, downloadable games and handouts and coloring pages. It's mm -hmm. all free. And um, and there are uh, four different units. Oh, I'm sorry, three different units. And each one has a lesson that lasts about 45 minutes. Or if you don't want to do the whole lesson, you just watch the videos. And uh, each video is about 12 minutes long. It's about as long as an episode of your favorite show on TV. Um, and it's television quality, very high quality material, songs your kids are not going to stop singing. So, <laughs> and a lot of content for that adults will love as well that we hear grownups and parents get back to us saying, I never heard this content before. I didn't know why I was pro-life. You know, this is rich stuff that I could use with my child. Uh, you know, in all kinds of settings, you know, why you shouldn't hit Johnny or why, you know, why you shouldn't steal or why you shouldn't lie. You know, the content is so philosophically basic that you can apply it to so many teachings of our church and of our faith. Mm -hmm. You've been doing, I, I don't want to make you sound old, but you've been doing this for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> I've been um, doing this for about 30 I mean, years. Known, yeah. I've since I was for, two. I probably yeah. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. No, but I've known you for about 20 years. So I mean, you've been at this for a long time. What, has been the greatest joy for you in doing this kind oh, of work? Gosh. You know, for me, it's the number of people who come back and say, I never learned this before. I never heard this before. Um, that is the greatest joy is that we're getting content out there that our culture doesn't teach anymore and sadly suppresses. Philosophy um, from non-Christians is seen as, you know, kind of sneaky and what are you doing? And even with Christians, it's seen as, you know, that's some weird thing that, you know, leads us away from faith and it's not. Faith right. and reason, as we know, as Catholics go hand in hand, God gave us a brain and a soul. And you have to understand the teachings that we have. Even St. Paul tells us, be ready to have a reason for the faith that is in you. And that's what we do. And uh, we even have high school and college kids watching Philo and Sophie and loving it. We tested it in a high school class and they loved it. They're singing the songs too. So it's yeah. for everybody. Well, I, 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 like I said at the beginning, I, for me, this is wonderful because it's so logical. It's not hitting people over the head with religion. It's just really basic but not basic in that that it's simple i mean it's simple but it's these are these are deep concepts so i'm it's very excited right at the bottom of where people need to be yeah and it contradicts what our culture is teaching young people with all this content in libraries with yes. for young people on you know homosexuality and abuse of your body being a good thing and you know the despair of atheism as something wonderful it's contradicting all of that even a lot of you know disney programs now that are out that are really harming and damaging our kids. This is something you can do with your kids. It's Absolutely. fun. It's interesting. It's animated. Um, you know, and, and who doesn't love a red furry puppet monster and a penguin yeah, and a mermaid? Exactly. I mean, come on. <laughs> anyway, Camille, right? thank you so much. It's so exciting. I'm glad you guys are doing this. Um, and I know there's going to be more to thank come you. over the years. So more to thank come. You. I know. Thank you for the work and thank you for telling us about it today. God bless you, Deacon Pedro. Keep us in your prayers. Camille Pauly is the president and CEO of Healing the Culture. You can learn about them at their website, healingtheculture.com, and you can watch Philo and Sophie at philoandsophie.org. If you missed any part of this conversation or to listen to the rest of the show, go to our website, eslmedia.org slash podcast. And here now is our featured artist of the week, Jackie Minton with Carry You from her latest album, Earnest Voice. Don't run if you don't have to. If he won't carry home to me, then hop up into my arms and do not be alarmed when it 
that was Jackie Minton with Carry You from her latest album, Earnest Voice. Jackie Minton broke into the pop folk scene about six years ago with her debut EP, Searching for Now, when she was just 19 years old. In 2019, she set out to crowdfund her latest EP, Earnest Voice, which we've been listening to and that she recorded during the pandemic. Jackie is very much a songwriter, and I am very happy to be able to welcome her to our show. Jackie, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Deacon Pedro. Pleasure so, to be here. Um, it's so good to have you on the program. T- tell us a little bit about growing up. Uh, what was what was it like growing up? Gosh, I grew up in Arlington, Texas, so right outside of Dallas and Fort Worth. Um, suburban sprawl, as far as the eye can see. Yeah. Um, but my parents always encouraged me to do music, and it it ran in my family, especially on my mom's okay. side. She has three sisters that were or still are choir directors. Okay. So there's a a lot of singing on that side of the family, and I think being raised around that, and then when I showed an interest in it, then my parents were very encouraging and. Um, um, I, it's a bit embarrassing, but I grew up, of course, listening to like Kelly Clarkson, Taylor Swift, um, you know, the pop stars of yes. my era. Yes. And so when I first heard, um, their music spe- specifically, I think it was probably Taylor's, um, for better or worse and realizing that she was the one writing those songs, I was like, mom and dad, that's it. I want to stay, start taking guitar lessons, okay. um, so that How- I would have some way to, express the ideas that were coming to me. How, how old were you around that time? Um, I was 11. Okay. So you were having the, cause I want to ask you about songwriter, about being a writer, but so you, you were having these ideas, these thoughts, and you felt that you needed to actually learn the music so that you could make sense of those thoughts. Yes. Yes. And I think even I, I'd always enjoyed writing um, right. as a kid, but it wasn't until I had, um, the language of music to put along with it, that it started to click. Okay. Um, yeah, me. that makes sense. But the, yeah, the very first night I had a guitar, I was like numbering the strings, trying to write melodies. Oh my gosh. Um, even though funny. I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> so, but you mentioned that you have aunts that are choir directors. Were you singing mm-hmm. in the choir at church already? Was that already happening? I was not. No. I was not actually. Um, that is something that is still um very funny to me that I really I fell in love with music before I fell in love with Jesus um or I received the gift before I knew the giver yeah um of that gift and so after um I would say I was probably around like 13 or 14 when I started to have a personal relationship with the Lord um and so then the next probably I got, I guess, even like still today, I like wrestle with that, like that he wants to bless music. Um, and that that was something that he gave me and desires me to use, you know, whether or not the songs are explicitly about him, mm-hmm. um, was definitely a process of prayer and, um, and transformation in my own heart of realizing that it, it's a gift that he desires me to share. Yeah. Um, tell me a little bit more of that, about that conversion if i can call it that absolutely was it because of the music what do you think that the music had something to do like he was almost like he gave you the music Mm. so that he could bring you in closer or or no Mm. what what was that experience i think i the very first moment 
I don't think that music necessarily was a part of that. I was on a retreat um, that my mom had signed me up for when I was in junior high <laughs> um, and just had a very personal, you know, simple encounter with the Lord and realizing yeah. that he was a um, person that desired a relationship with me hmm. um, and that I desired a relationship with him. Um, but then that journey of discovering how music was a part of that, um, I think grew um, and different opportunities from them. It was like, became a slow merging of the two worlds that I'd seen as separated, but were so completely intertwined Right. Um, that he course. had given me the gift and was continuing to open doors. And the very first song that I wrote for um, someone that was asking me to write, it wasn't just me writing for myself, was my church, mm. um, where they had asked me to write a song for a parish mission that we were having. And that's um, I'm listening, which is on my very first project, Searching for Now. But mm. it's been this continual journey of um, walking with the Lord and seeing how much he's in it with me and um, paving the path and going before me in all things, but especially in music. Yeah, of course. So that's been amazing to discover. Do you see, I mean, obviously you're always writing, but do you, do you see a progression in your own spiritual life from searching for now to earn his voice? And like, how do those two connect in terms of that journey that you're on? Oh man, that's a great question. Yeah, I so I haven't thought about this before, but um, but what comes to mind is that in searching for now, there are like very explicit songs that are about Jesus, like I'm listening. And then there are other songs that are explicitly not um, like one step more, just like classic pop love song. Right. Um, and I still have both flavors in earnest voice, but they're both, they're more mixed. Um, okay. The love songs that I have, could you could think about them from the perspective of the Lord or our approach from a place of prayer and maturity. Um, yeah. And and then also the the songs that are about the Lord are also veiled um, yeah. more so. So, um, Is, so yeah, it's like that starkness of the difference between them and then that like them kind of becoming more intertwined and in a way married in yeah. earnest voice. Is the earnest voice your voice or someone else's voice? Ooh. <laughs> I've thought of it as mine. Um, okay, okay, like yeah. It's an invitation of the, from the Lord to use my voice earnestly. Yeah, of course. Um, but that's, yeah. that's a great question. <laughs> I suppose it could be his earnest voice. Too, it's pro it's probably both. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, because you have because you because you have a voice, and and I'm not going to say that you're not a musician because you are, but I do think that you're a, a more of a writer. You can correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, you have a mm. whole poetry project and that's just words. Tell me about right. that. Tell me a little, tell us a little bit about the project, the, the project 52. Thank you so much for asking about it. <laughs> um, <laughs> it like still baffles me that it exists um, because I didn't write poetry. I mean, I've always, when I picked up songwriting around the age of 11, um, I never stopped and was always writing in that kind of verse form. Mm -hmm. Um but one of my good artist friends, um, Melanie M Mitchell, she's married now and has a different last name. And I pray that she'll <laughs> forgive me for not remembering her new last sure name. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, she is an incredible songwriter. And 
she mentioned this book called The Artist's Way. Mm-hmm. That's all about um, creative healing. And right around the time of the album releasing was when I started to read the book. And it's broken down into weeks of um, prompts and reflections to just take, you know, a chunk mm-hmm. at a time, um, really inviting. The, the book is not written from an explicitly Christian perspective, but recognizes mm-hmm. that the creator of the universe was the first creator and therefore desires us to create more than we even desire to create. Um, and so we're like wrestling with and chewing on these um, big thoughts and bringing, you know, that prayer to the Lord uh, and being encouraged to write that something mm-hmm. that the book does is, is just like brain dump first thing in the morning, yeah. um, a couple pages. And so um, having that kind of space to just let my mind roam and to, um, and to walk with the Lord, but also to just like see like the massive field of creativity and just be like, we're just going to play. <laughs> and this isn't for anyone. This is just, you know, between me and Jesus. And so much poetry came out of that, that eventually it came to a point where I was like, I have to do something with these poems. Okay. Um, and, and just seeing that it was something, creativity is and specifically the well of creativity the lord himself mm-hmm. it's it's bottomless it's um mm-hmm. never ending and mm-hmm. as often as we go to that well we make space to listen to write um is it proportional to how much we can pull out yeah. um and discover that's wonderful so you you post a different poem every week for 52 weeks um which is wonderful because then it's not just what's coming out of your well, but the mm. Lord is also speaking to you through those poems. Um, and I presume that some of those poems might end up being set to music. Um, I know that you're going back in the studio uh, to do, uh, to work on a project called Genesis. We don't have time to talk about it now, but I'm, I think that's good because it means that we'll have an excuse to bring you back on the show. Oh, good. So that good. you can so tell excited. us all about it. Um, <laughs> I don't know how quickly you're going to be recording, but just, just let us know because uh, we really like what we hear. And, uh, and it's always so fun to bring people back and, 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 uh, and see what you're, what you're doing. Um, oh. Jackie, it's, it's been really good meeting you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing a little bit of, of, of you today with us. Of course. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. You can learn more about Jackie Minton, purchase her music, stay in touch with her at her website, JackieMinton.com. And it's Jackie, J-A-C-K-I-E, JackieMinton.com. But I'll put that link on our site so you can find it easily. And of course, you can also find her on all streaming and all social media platforms. Um, If you missed any part of this interview, you can head on over to our website, slmedia.org slash podcast. All our programs are archived there. And here now to take us out is Jackie Minton with the title track of her latest EP, Earnest Voice. Fear was the easy choice that stole away my earnest voice. Made of silver and glint and gold, of treasures I told, but if you have heard my soul. No fear, love come near. I whisper in your ear when you're ready to hear. 
we're listening to Jackie Minton with Earnest Voice from her album of the same name, and that will take us to the end of the program. Remember that you can stream or podcast all our Salt and Light Hour programs at our website, slmedia.org. Just look for podcasts. You can also find the Salt and Light Hour Catholic Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just look for Deacon Pedro. You can also email me. I love emails. Pedro at slmedia.org. I respond to every single email I get. In the next couple weeks, John Finch and Chris Bray and so much more, as well as more episodes of our mini-series Indigenous Voices. So I hope that you can be with us in the next couple of weeks as we make it to the end of the season. Remember to stay safe, continue praying for each other, continue to pray for peace in Ukraine, and may you have a blessed Easter season. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this has been the Salt and Light Hour. No. Oh.